Hello and welcome to Reincarnated as Podcasters, the show where we explore the countless and varying worlds of isekai, the anime genre. This is episode three. It's no understatement to say that isekai is an extremely prevalent genre in the anime landscape. On this show, we hope to find out why that is, and what a genre primarily concerned with other worlds has to say about this one. Today, we will be discussing episode 7 to 9 of My Next Life as a Villainess, All Roots Lead to Dune, also known as Hamafura. But before we do that, uh, let me introduce you to your hosts on this intrepid journey. Uh, my name is Lawrence, and joining me as always is Vicky. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm doing all right. So how's your week been? Yeah, pretty pretty good. I've been uh, watching Hello One Punch Man. Hell yeah. Uh, which has been very fun. I'm a big fan. I'm like almost, I think halfway through season two at the moment. Uh, and it's a joy to watch. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, we, we started off actually watching season one on Netflix, uh, dubbed. Yeah, yeah. And on Crunchyroll, where season two is, it's uh, only available subbed, and yeah. I like it much better subbed, yeah. because some of the character voices in, in the dub are very goofy, but like not in a good way. Oh, was there, was there a, a particular reason you went with dubbed the first time around? Uh, because Sam, who I was watching it with, didn't feel like reading subs. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, think, I think that's why. That's fair, yeah. Oh, One Punch Man is uh, One Punch Man is fantastic. I fucking fucking love that show. Yeah, so you, you've already finished uh, season one and, uh, and the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Halfway through season two, I guess. Um, Damn. Yeah. It's not super long, season one. Yeah, it's like twelve episodes, right? They're yeah. Regular like that. regular season size for an anime, I guess. Hmm. You got any um, fave characters? Uh oh, let me see. I, I like Moomin Rider. <laughs> oh, yes. No, that's that's the only answer I will accept. Uh, no, well, that, no, that's not true. Like, uh, Genos is up there, too. Yeah, Genos is cool. His voice is very goofy in the dub. I, I think he might be voiced by someone from Dragon Ball Z, like maybe the Supreme Kai, he sounds like. Oh, yeah? Uh, sounds like him. I'm not, I, don't quote me on that, because I don't know. But, uh, yeah, maybe that's why I can't take him seriously. Yeah. He's got a totally different vibe in the sub version for me. Mm. Yeah, well, the the original like uh, um, definitely makes them um, very overt allusions to Dragon Ball Z, so it wouldn't surprise me. It really me. does, doesn't it? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if like uh, in for the dub they like uh, did some similar, some similar pranks, some similar anime pranks. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, oh, yes, well, I've got, I've got a whole lot of stuff I, I was hoping to talk about, actually. Uh, okay. I, I just had a, a, a jam-packed, uh, jam-packed couple of weeks of, like, uh, 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 media and entertainment consumption. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, a, a, as per usual, I just, like, um, I've been watching anime, of course, so, like, uh, mm -hmm. finished a show called Gunbusters, which was mm -hmm. uh, a, a lot of fun. This was um, Hideaki Anno's like very first like uh, anime production uh, work as a director, right. I should say. And that was that was really good. Like it really caught me caught me off guard, caught me by surprise. It's only six episodes long, and like uh, the first three are um, just uh, these um, very goofy, very chill slice of life 
girls piloting mecha in a high school setting kind of thing. Cool. That's good. Um, yeah. And then the last three episodes are sort of like similar tone to the Evangelion Endgame. So wow. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's 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 a lot, but it, it was mm-hmm. it was very very good to watch. Yeah, uh, uh, also wanted to mention uh, this film Space Sweepers that I watched uh, very recently. That was that was very good. <laughs> it, I haven't heard of that. What is that? <laughs> it's uh, I mean, it wasn't very good. It was it was okay, oh. <laughs> but like but it was uh, but it was memorable. It's it's this um, science fiction film. Um, about um, these folks, these uh, um, working folks in the space, do like a menial labor, like a, a debris collecting, and making sure that like a space debris doesn't uh, cause major accidents in space, as it does, sort of like in near Earth mm-hmm. orbit, right? And uh, they sort of stumble across a um, what appears to be a cyborg super weapon in the form of a little girl. And, uh, and it, it changes their their trajectory uh, in 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 life and their relationship to the um, the mega corporation that controls all of Earth and space. <laughs> so, oh, this is a Korean film. I have I have heard of this actually. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. It's sort of like it's a it's a Korean film, but it has like a very international cast. You okay. know, lots of lots of uh, different languages, lots of different faces. So it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like if uh, Bong Joon Ho did like a science fiction film. <laughs> I would um, watch that. Yeah, but it's 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 nowhere near as good as a Bong Joon Ho film, but it's not a bad film at the same time, and it's um it's 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 visually engaging, and um I feel like it has the, the capability to become like a, a cult a cult film, have mm. a cult following. I thought it was a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, I've also been doing a lot of gaming, um, but I'm, I'm going to put that aside for for a second because what I really wanted to bring up was um, uh, my uh, recent uh, rereading of Attack on Titan. Um, I, oh, sweet. I say rereading. What I mean is I'm, I'm reading it for the first time. Um, I've, I've watched almost all of it, but like um, before I get into the last season, I wanted to read the the manga and sort of like get caught mm-hmm. up again and i'm sort of at a chapter where um the the chapters are very like uh, focused on emir and krista mm-hmm. um which uh, i i think is a a really cool relationship it also has like yeah, a, sure. um, a strong uh sort of uh yuri elements to it uh-huh. uh which uh, i think ties it into um hemophora a little bit yeah um, totally yeah, which got me like uh, a lot more interested in like um, Yuri uh, as a genre because I'm I'm not as familiar with with that as 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 I'd like, and I feel like I maybe like criticize Hamafur a little too harshly on on being uh, not gay <laughs> enough, yes. like uh, air quotes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I, I learned a lot. Uh, which I'm uh, I'm not gonna uh, share on, on this episode just yet. Okay. Uh, may- maybe on another episode. But um, it led me to a manga called uh, "My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness" um, okay. by by Kabi Nagata, uh, which I I, I really uh, recommend. It's a, mm-hmm. a a really awesome manga. 
this is this is not uh, eerie. So like, a, okay. it's it's just um, just a, a a manga about a um, a, a lesbian woman and. Uh, her experience with loneliness, <laughs> I suppose, uh, yeah. just uh, as opposed to like these um, sanitized, sort of like idealized, romanticized, sort of girl-girl relationships mm-hmm. that are like illustrated in Yuri. This is like uh, uh, the story of a 28-year-old who is uh, <laughs> really depressed and yeah. um, just having a, a very difficult time. And its portrayal of a, a depression and, and eating disorder is um, very true to life and um, mm-hmm. very very realistic and it's a portrayal and then in that's like a, there, there isn't some sort of a, a narrative arc that these uh conditions take you know right, um, yeah. there, there isn't some sort of like self-realization that suddenly cures you if you're a depression or whatever you're just like a uh, struggling and relying on the the kindness and patience of uh, loved ones around you right. and it's it's very it's very cool and considerate in that yeah. respect. That sounds very really interesting. Very, um, and she sort of, um, she, she goes through a, sort of a phase of self-discovery and learns a lot of uh, new things about herself along the way, uh, including some things about her sexuality, as you might imagine. What I really appreciate about this is like, uh, it's, it's portrayal of loneliness and, and depression Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's uh, someone uh, nearer to my own age, yeah, <laughs> rather than just <laughs> rare, yeah, yeah, rather than like a, a an anime teenager who is sad, which I also love, yeah. Uh, but but it, doesn't, it doesn't pack the same punch, does it? <laughs> no, precisely. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate getting to to read a story about someone who is uh, twenty eight and and does not know who they are or like yeah, where right. they are in life. Hard same. Thank you for representing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely recommend that 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 manga. It's only like five chapters long. I've I've got some I've got some links I can share cool. if you like. Yeah, go for it. And yeah, very very cool. Nice. Yeah, so so that's my my little media digest. Sorry, <laughs> go along there. No, no, I like it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's move on to uh, our our working definition of uh, of of isekai, Dan. Uh, just to, just to refresh us on. Um, just the the parameters that we're operating in and what our uh, remits um, is. I reintroduced the, the, the Wikipedia definition. Um, mm-hmm. Isekai is a genre of light novels, a manga, anime, and video games that revolve around a normal human person from Earth being displaced, transported to, reborn, or otherwise trapped in a parallel universe, fantasy world, or virtual world, where they must adapt and or assimilate into this new world along with its new rules, cultures, and philosophies. And then uh, last last week in the last episode, we uh, sort of added the definition from uh, Shosetsuka Ninaro right. regarding the difference between reincarnation in another world and transfer to another world, which which goes as follows. Reincarnation in another world is a, a work in which the main character died once in the original world and has been reborn as a different person into a different world. And Transfer to Another World is a work in which the main character moves to a different world in some way uh, via movement, summoning, possession, etc. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's our sort of uh, operating um, operational basis. And uh, mm-hmm. gifted with this uh, this knowledge, uh, armed with this uh, this this <laughs> insights, uh, I, I pose to you the question: uh, Is yes. this an isekai? Hell yeah! Regarding the Matrix. The Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix, the in 1999 film. I had thought about this a little bit when uh, last time when I was trying to come up with something to talk about for uh, is this an isekai, mm. uh, but I, I actually couldn't come up with a, a good answer. I think it's it's a tricky one. Yeah, it, yeah, it is, isn't it? When I was thinking of it, I was I was like, this sh- this should be pretty simple, right? This, this <laughs> is a, an isekai. But the more that I thought of it, the uh, the less convinced I was myself. It's sort of a plays plays a bit of a bit of a prank on you in terms of uh, yeah the definition of uh one world versus the other one exactly um, and and as well like in the matrix i mm-hmm. guess what would the other world be would it be the world he started off in or the real world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because obviously the world he started off in is like fake and has different rules and culture to the real world yeah but he's actually like born back into the real world yeah yeah he's, he's sort of uh reverse birthed into yeah. uh, the, the 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 plane of existence that we we know as a uh, real world but if if we sort of take um sword art online as as a bit of a a guiding principle yeah like uh i mean it dare they make a distinction between a a virtual world and a um real world and that's a, a similar distinction that they they mm-hmm. make in the matrix isn't it yeah um and uh you know once this 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 barrier this um this bridge between the virtual world and the real world is established. Our protagonist or any other character is able to traverse between the two at will, yeah. uh, which is still, still pretty much isekai territory, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess that it like it fits within the definition, doesn't it? It's, it's almost like a reverse isekai because he's like born into the real world rather than into the fake one. And also, when we consider Neo as as a protagonist, uh, <laughs> I think he would uh, fit fairly comfortably in an an, an anime. Yeah, um, for sure. Given his, uh, I, I want to say edge lord dress sense, but it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's like, um, do 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 edge lords dress like Neo, or do 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 is Neo an edge lord and therefore dresses <laughs> like one of? <laughs> It's near the original Edgelord. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's like granted OP powers. He mm. does he doesn't quite have a harem around him, but he does have the unconditional, like uh, some would even say unearned love of uh, one particular <laughs> character. That's true. Uh, he's OP, he wears all black, not not much of a personality, so you can sort of like project your own character onto him. He's sort of a uh, blank slate kind of a uh, kind of person, right? Yeah, he's also the one. <laughs> yeah, the chosen one. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's the uh, he's 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 basically an anime protagonist. He uh, sure is. Yeah. So we're we're not in any doubt that the Matrix is an anime. Uh, yeah. But is it an isekai anime? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, here's, here's some more evidence. Um, okay. 
Neo starts off as a hikikomori gamer salary man em- employed to a, a a large company and that's that's a sort of starting point like they, they say he's a hacker but like real ones know that that means you're a gamer basically right yeah <laughs> that's it and uh he's, he's, he's a gamer he's a nerd and uh his knowledge of these things sort of give him a leg up in the, the matrix I, I might just be making shit up now I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't remember anything like that. But it's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He understands yeah. like software engineering and stuff. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it probably gives you an edge, right? When you're yeah. trying to leap across buildings or stop bullets with. Yeah. Uh... So, I feel like the Matrix is an isekai. Mhm. Um, what do you think? I can't decide. I think mm. maybe I, I like calling it a reverse isekai. Mm, mm, okay, okay. Uh, that, well, I, I suppose that still counts as an isekai then. It does, yeah, uh, it yeah. does. Yeah, okay, yeah, I kind of answered my own question there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, well, in that case, uh, I, I guess we can uh, um, close the book on, on The Matrix. This is, uh, in fact, an isekai. Confirmed. Isekai confirms. This is the episode summary segment. We will be discussing episode seven to nine of My Next Life as a Villainess, uh, starting with uh, episode seven, titled Will He Come at Me as Well? Or I Encountered a Dangerous Dungeon. The second part of the title makes much more sense than the first. Yeah, I got that title off of um, my anime list, is where I've been getting all of the uh, the episode titles from, basically. Uh, right. And on on that website, they uh, list episode seven as being titled "Will He Come at Me as Well." Yeah. Uh, but then when you watch it, it's it says on the screen, "I encountered a dangerous dungeon." Right. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. That's what the Confusing. that's what the Japanese title says as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's the, it's the same thing on Crunchyroll. Like when you select the episode, it's called "Will He Come at Me as Well." Oh, but, really? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Really it, strange. It breaks from the naming convention as well. So, uh-huh. so my question is, who who do you think is the person that might come at <laughs> as well? I really don't know. That's why I thought like it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get to the bottom of it. Yeah, once we, once we can. We, uh, yeah. Once we get into the summary. Let's uh, review at the end of the uh, summary. Yes. We open on a field of white flowers as we hear a voice expressing a yearning to be with someone, even if it means rejoining them in another life. Real ones know this is the voice of Achan slash Sophia. When I when I watched this, I didn't know that. I I don't know if it had just been a while since I'd watched an episode or if I just wasn't feeling with it. But uh, I really f- just assumed it was Katarina talking. Yeah. Which it w- made me really confused about like which of the girls was which. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I, but I I, I, I realized that. pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, I was really confused at the first. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I came into this and uh, when when I heard the the opening narration, I was like, oh shit, okay, Sophia is Achan confirmed. Mm-hmm. And, yes. And that, that's basically what they're doing here now, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What they what they failed to confirm though was uh, my suspicion regarding previous life Katarina's and Achan's relationship. Which yes. uh, well we'll get into that. I'm sure we will. <laughs> we will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're back in the other other worlds. A lone Achan is walking from school when suddenly a person falls from a tree on top of her. It is the Katarina of a previous life, we are led to believe. This chance encounter leads to a beautiful friendship of shared book reading and love of Atome games. We see them learn and grow together. This, uh, this encounter where she falls from the tree mm. is exactly the same as what happens with her and Keith in the first episode. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I wasn't quite sure what they were trying to say with that. She falls out of the tree on top of uh, Achan, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, sorry. I hope I didn't kill you." And that's kind of how they meet, which is exactly what happened with Keith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To be more precise, Katarina uses uh, this very similar line uh, about killing someone with uh, with with her butt. Yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah, my my uh, my ungenerous reading of this was uh, they they wanted to reuse the joke, uh, <laughs> which which is fair. I thought it was funny, but um, I I think more generously um, this further establishes the sort of uh, tree climbing motif that is mm-hmm. is reappearing more and more often um, throughout throughout the series. Like this is something that is not not going away. If they um, if they don't bring back tree climbing in some way in the last three episodes, I'll be <laughs> yeah. disappointed. Uh, yeah, it's got to mean something, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, so this is where I was really confused because I still thought it was uh, Sophia narrating and therefore I thought the girl that got almost killed by a butt mm. was Katerina. Oh, right, uh, right. So I was like, oh, maybe that she did the thing with Keith because her friend did it to her. <laughs> but, <laughs> but other than that, like, yeah, I couldn't really figure out its significance. Oh karmic retribution exactly yeah <laughs> just, just a, a, a stray thoughts that, that, that i had just now uh, this uh, the thing about tree climbing uh and like climbing trees that uh katarina's uh constantly seen doing it sort of like reminds me of um the structure of a a, a visual novel sort of like a, a choose your own adventure novel branching, you know? paths. branching paths right like yeah. she's uh, she's climbing up a tree and then like uh, there are several branches that she can take Ooh, holy shit <laughs> this is real <laughs> yeah, yeah well, top tier analysis <laughs> Yeah, that that just that just came to mind uh, for a second. Like trees, like this this is not the last time we 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 encounter trees, even in these three episodes. Mm, yes, so exactly. Yeah, we see them learn and grow together. Yes. Mm. We then find out that Katarina was later involved in a traffic accident that led to her death. Achan checks her phone to see that the last message she received from Katarina was about fortune lover. It's actually so sad. Like I, I'm not afraid to admit that I shed a tear. I was a bit hungover when I watched it as well, and that always makes me more emotional when watching this kind of thing. Sure. Actually, so sad. Like that she lost her best friend, who she had this really deep connection with. Yes, it was a gut punch for me as well. Yeah. Just to, 
totally out of nowhere like uh, to see Achan take out her phone and see that the last message from Katarina was that uh, she's not making any progress in her Otome game, this thing that yeah. they, they shared together. And it's it spoke to me on like a very emotional mm-hmm. level because as as a gamer as a, as mm-hmm. a gamer american <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm i'm not american but i just love that that phrase combination a, ga- a gamer american <laughs> you can't really say gamer british can you it just doesn't doesn't sound the same does it no no uh, no <laughs> Uh, as 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 a gamer who is also preoccupied with death often <laughs> yeah right i could imagine this very well being my final message to to any anybody uh, really <laughs> to, yeah. like, yeah. who knows yeah who who knows when you could be hit by a truck and sent to another world you know and Good grief, and, yeah. and, and the last message you sent to someone is like uh fuck Sekiro it can't be Madame Butterfly (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, I know it 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 felt real and then yeah I I also thought it was interesting that the final message yeah she's saying that she's like struggling with Fortune Lover but specifically she's uh struggling to conquer the Black Hide Prince aka Mm. Jordo when she gets reincarnated it's as Jordo's fiance (laughs) yeah Yes, that, that How is fucked a, up is that? That is a delicious irony. Mm, yes, delicious. <laughs> yeah, that was sad. Mm, yeah, very sad. Cut to Sophia waking up from a dream with tears in her eyes. She gets up to meet with Katerina, who is loudly farming once again. She describes the sad dream she had, describing it as a memory from a very long time ago. Katerina mm. thinks her dreams are bad because she's nervous about exams. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought it was really sweet that Sophia comes to Katerina and she's like, I just had this bad dream and I really wanted to see you. I just yeah. had this need to be around you. I thought that was very sweet. Mm. Um, and then Katerina's like, oh, it, like it's just because you're nervous about exams. Like, can't possibly be any deeper meaning or any like emotional trauma that you're hiding or anything like that. It must just be exams. Katarina doesn't know, does she? That like uh, no, this, that's true. this this other person, uh, Sophia, is uh, actually a, a reincarnation of her of her bestie. Because as far as she knows, Sophia is just another NPC in in like uh, <laughs> Katarina's video game reincarnation. She's yeah. just another tool for avoiding doom. <laughs> yeah, precisely. I don't, I don't know why. I will, I will probably get into why. But mm. uh, for these three episodes, I was really preoccupied with like just how does Katarina view the, the, the friends that she has around yeah, her? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, Especially after the, uh, is it the eighth episode with the book? Yes. Uh, which we'll get to, obviously. I was like left wondering after that, like, 
what is going through her mind when she's interacting with these people? Exactly. Does she have any feelings for any of them, or are they just NPCs? Yeah. It's very weird. Yes, yes, it is. Like uh, uh, there, there are moments where it seems like they're genuine friends. They're like uh, mm. just genuine friendships, but there are also moments where it's it's it seems like uh, she's leading a, a very solipsistic kind of uh, yeah. kind of a life where everyone is you you. you play the parts you do you do the friends thing you keep the illusion keep the simulation running um (laughs) but in the back of your mind you're like um you're all npcs to me so (laughs) yeah yeah she could be a solipsist or she could be like a a narcissist or she could just be completely oblivious but even if she was completely oblivious i think it still doesn't explain some of her behavior Yeah, yeah. Things, things to keep in mind as we, uh, yes, as, as we yes. move forward. <laughs> it's interesting episodes. <laughs> yeah, really interesting episodes. Yeah. Sophia is not the only one stressed about exams, however. The Council of Katarinas have momentarily halted their strategizing to worry about academics. After all, they could just as easily be doomed if they have to face up to their mother after failing exams. Yeah, this surprised me. So there is actually a doom ending where she's murdered by her mother for failing her exams. Or is it, <laughs> is it is the doom not necessarily death? Or is it just an ending? Oh, no, I, I, I thought they meant that in sort of a, a, a metaphorical sense as, as oh, okay. like, uh, <laughs> but my mom will kill me for not going uh, to the okay. next grade. <laughs> I took it really literally. I was like, wait, her mom's actually going to murder her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no no i don't, I don't that that, was... that makes much more sense <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I wouldn't put it past katarina's mom but no me either <laughs> she's uh she's devious the next day the gang is gathered before some aztec looking ruins wearing heavily accessorized military regalia their goal in this practical exam is to do some invasive anthropology in an incongruous-looking tomb where they almost certainly don't belong. To be more precise, they must find a stone inhabited by magical power. Just say magic stone and be done. <laughs> yeah, why do they, they, they refer to it this way multiple times throughout the episode? Look, it's the stone inhabited by magical power. Why, why can't they just say magic stone? <laughs> Yeah, they're probably like uh, somewhat aware of like the generic uh, nature of calling something a magic stone, but just to yeah. extend the name, like call it a stone <laughs> inhabited by magical. Way powers. less of a cliche. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's it's a bit ridiculous. Um, Another ridiculous thing, the teacher, I suppose, who's like moderating the exam, if you can call it that. Uh, he says you'll be going into this these ruins in teams mm. and you gotta find the stone the team that finds the stone and brings it back here passes the exam mm. so does that mean only one team can pass the exam mm. yeah that's kind of stupid because there's like a lot really a lot of people in their class yeah, yeah. and the teams are like three or four people Yes, <laughs> there are quite a couple of, uh, quite a number of teams uh, working on getting this stone. Uh, this entire exam segment is just a, a little bit ludicrous to, to consider in the first place. Yeah. Uh, given that they're sent into a, a dungeon uh, loaded with traps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm curious as to the um, the the permission waiver that they had to sign for for this one. 
and like what specifically are they even testing like your ability to solve puzzles i guess to solve dungeon puzzles yeah right yeah. Like, yeah. yeah to use use your magic to to solve the the the, the goofy puzzles to, to melt the ice <laughs> yeah don't like not even really puzzles they're just things like oh there's ice here so we'll melt it yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty dumb. These yeah. these are uh, not the tuning exams. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no a, they are not. This is that a, they are not. something something else entirely. Mm. Some something a, a lot goofier. <laughs> <laughs> the teams are picked, and of course, Keith and Jordo bicker over who will protect Katarina the hardest. Uh, they are observed by some very salty extras who have no idea why these people won't stop fawning over Katarina. I was a little co- confused again by this. I guess I just wasn't sure who they were talking about. They were like, oh, I can't believe she has all these people who like do good magic and she's really bad at it. Uh, but they didn't say anyone's name. I guess you assume that they're talking about Katarina. Yeah, right. But it wasn't like, yeah, because they were bullying Maria before. Y- yeah, yeah. I don't recall these faces exactly as as being the 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 bullies of Maria, but like uh, that's con- true. They might not con- be considering their their overall like a uh, generic exterior. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they were part of the the Maria bullying crowd. So um, I probably I'd lump them in the same category. I guess I I kind of uh, uh, relate to their their saltiness a, a, a little bit. You do. Yeah, because just as as an anime viewer, as a um, consumer of uh, all of these these wonderful animations from Japan, um, mm-hmm. just uh, uh, you see so many of these um, these trends and tropes recurring in in characters, and it's a, a perfect uh, and desirable protagonist that is um, yeah. uh, OP and can do no wrong um, mm-hmm. is tiring. Uh, of course, it's not going to prevent me from doing a podcast about isekai <laughs> but <laughs> but i i just i enjoy like seeing that little bit of acknowledgement from the show itself like uh yeah having that's these true. <laughs> having these uh these salty extras would be like fuck this bitch <laughs> they're probably way better at magic than her anyway she's still really bad at it as we'll see in a minute <laughs> The temple is rigged with countless traps set by a mage that lived there long ago and was very particular about his personal space. Katarina traverses the dank, candlelit corridors of Sophia, Jordo, and Keith in tow. Jordo and Keith are bickering during this time <laughs> uh, with their classic passive-aggressive back and forth where like, yeah. one of them's like, you don't need to spend so much time with Katarina. And they're like, well, I don't think you need to spend as much time with Katarina. <laughs> And they just do this over and over again. Yes, well, I am Katarina's fiance. And so I am Katarina's yeah. brother. Yeah. <laughs> I can protect her. I'm her fiance. But I'm her brother. I can protect her better. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that, that, that classic back and forth. Uh... Very classic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Um, next line, I, I put that down immediately. Oh, shit. Bye yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <My> bad. <laughs> <laughs> While the boys do their by now tired back and forth, I, I'm I'm done with these guys. Please have a conversation about anything else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Katarina's untamed curiosity leads her to press a big red button on the floor, 
where are your gamer senses? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Katarina? yeah, right. I I, she just, I'm sorry. She just presses it. <laughs> yeah. like, she has no idea what it does. They're in a dungeon full of traps, and she's like, oh, press this red button, I guess. Yeah, uh, that was that was a, a big, big question mark moment uh, mm. right there. Like, please, please, no. Oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> and then, then what happens next? This, this triggers a get sprayed in the face with water trap. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I also thought this was ridiculous. Like, what the hell is this? Like, a powerful mage with a magic stone in this dungeon full of traps. One of his traps is, huh, you're wet now. So people, I guess, are supposed to be like, oh no, I got wet. Guess I won't look for the magic stone. I'll go home and dry off. This is a mage installed a super soaker in the wall. <laughs> like, like... Actually, he sounds kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well at, at, at this point i was sort of like oh perhaps this isn't really like a for real dungeon this is just a a, a yeah. prop dungeon set up by the academy or whatever because it also sort of looks incongruous it looks like a like an aztec yeah. ruin in, it the, does, doesn't it? <laughs> in the middle of like victorian 18th century venice or whatever yeah, yeah it's dumb so yeah <laughs> keith keith and jordo get sprayed in the face with water they do it's not until she leans up against a wall that she triggers the classic rolling boulder yeah the classic rolling boulder with the boulder evaded by turning a corner the gang is faced with the insurmountable ice wall test <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just the wall of ice that they're like, well, I guess we can't go this way. <laughs> oh, wait, we're supposed to figure out how to get through the wall of ice, one of them says. <laughs> it's literally just like a sheet of ice blocking the, the, the entrance that is uh, in, in, in front of them. And, it's, uh, yeah. and they, they're just hopeless at, at, first, at first glance. They're like, yeah, they have no idea what the fuck to do. <laughs> oh, Keith just remembers he does fire magic. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wait, isn't it Jordo that does the fire magic? Um, oh, you're right. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, yeah, uh, he has the uh, dirt dolls. Yeah, <laughs> the dirt dolls. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, Jordo. Would you, would you like to know a, a little, a little bit of trivia about the light novel translation? Oh yeah, go on then. Yeah, this is uh, just uh, in, in the trend of uh, messed up katakana interpretations <laughs> in the vein of uh, 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 Bortz and Nart. <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, in the light novel translation that was uh, uh, translated into English, uh, Jordo is uh, translated as Jord. Jord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George. Yeah, My uh, son is also named George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a J E O R D. It's a, wow. That's yeah. not a name. Uh, I love it. Jordo <laughs> <laughs> steps forward to summon a fireball that melts both the wall and the budget for this episode. <laughs> yeah. 
And when he, when he melts it, it doesn't even look like it was that thick. <laughs> no. It looks like a thin sheet of ice. Yeah. No. And granted, like, after they melt it, it does start freezing over again quite quickly, but they're able to get through it, no problem. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, once they've melted the ice wall, they sort of just stand there, like, yeah. uh, cheering for themselves, like, being... <laughs> Just patting themselves on the back for being just large-brained geniuses. This is our first time seeing Jordo's creepy fire magic, isn't it? I don't know how mm. he makes fire magic creepy. <laughs> uh, I don't like his face when he does it, maybe, and his hands moving around. Yeah, oh, he's just, just a, a creep no matter what he does. He is. He makes everything. He, he does creepy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for real. He really does. In another part of the temple, Alan, Mary, and Maria are loudly worrying for Katarina's safety. Yeah, they are. That's <laughs> all they can fucking talk about. So I hope Katarina Summer is okay. <laughs> yeah. They pass by a room where Maria notices a glowy stone. Could this be the exam-ending stone inhabited by magical power? <laughs> it's not. Mm, it's, yeah, a, it's a trap. It's a decoy, you suckers. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you really think they would uh, put this stone in the, uh, in the, the first left turn that you, uh, that you find in the dungeons? Exactly. Like, uh, none of these people have played a video game, despite being yeah. in a video game. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I question my own logic on that as well, but yeah. I'm just... <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just in in pain as a as a dungeon dungeon master. Yeah, I mean if, if this if this like get the stone test is supposed to test their like ability to pass puzzles and traps and stuff, what have they been fucking teaching them? Yeah. Because it just seems so obvious that this would be a trap. <laughs> they should fail on the spot. <laughs> Yeah, well, they they were about to. It was their idea of failing on the spies, like having the floor collapse out from under you and then dying, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or maybe they'll land on, like, a feather bed or something. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, mm. uh, whatever's going on at this school, it seems, uh, seems, seems off, seems weird. Upon picking it up, it turns to dust, and the floor collapses beneath Maria and Mary's feet. Uh, Mary trips falls and momentarily forgets how to get up again as anime heroines do <laughs> she is rescued by alan who carries her in the most infantilizing way possible which is to say the same way i would want to be carried by alan yeah <laughs> his face when he's coming towards her is a, a picture of something <laughs> i don't know what he looked very intense and serious. Uh, it was like his hero moment. Well, yeah, yeah. This Let's is, go, uh, Alan. Yeah, this is his uh, moment to, to, to save the, the damsel in distress. This is the moment that uh, every boy looks forward to because yeah. uh, uh, the, the promised uh, a rom- the guarantee of romance uh, after having saved... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's indebted to you now yeah. for her life. This is the... Um, that's the that's how it works. You either save them from uh, imminent doom, or you um, buy them so many gifts that their that their sex meter fills all the way up. And, exactly. Uh, that's uh, the two ways the woman's heart. Also, very, and this is another anime thing. I don't, why the fuck do I even watch animes, man? But 
<laughs> but um, just like Mary, like falling down and then just staying down. I mean, like, what what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> why why do they always do that? <laughs> they just like uh, just uh, have an uh, immediate brain lapse where they forget how to stand up and walk. It's just um, it's 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 weird because like. The few times in my life that I have like tripped over in a public place or like face planted or whatever, I get up fucking immediately, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like no hesitation. I just want to pretend that it didn't happen and hope no one saw me. So I'm just, like straight up. Uh, but yeah, anime heroines don't really have that. I no, guess. no. Well, 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 shit. This is a, a another thing that, that that occurred to me in the in in the moment. Just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just to just to bring a bit of uh, pop psychology to the table, we're familiar with like uh, fight or flight reactions, right? My my therapist once told me that you can append to that a, a freeze and fawn reaction. Okay. Uh, so that's a, a sort of a, a two other valid responses to uh, imminent danger or like perceived danger. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, may, maybe in the in the moment where the floor is collapsing out from under you and you trip, maybe the the, the one thought that like courses through your brain is um, "fuck it, I die now. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, <maybe. Yeah. laughs> I'm done. Yeah. This is this is the end. No no points in yeah, continuing. There's nothing I can do. Yeah, <laughs> this is how I die. <laughs> Uh, in the in the words of uh corona i'm i'm die thank you forever (laughs) yeah maybe it's that (laughs) Uh, okay well enough talking about fucking anime tropes let's continue to the anime tropes (laughs) let's do it Back with Team A, Katarina stands before a fork in the road. Before them is a stone tablet with ancient writing. Cue Game Master PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> Katarina proudly declares she is unable to read it, even though they have been studying ancient scripts in class. <laughs> yeah, she, has, she can't read it at all. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So pleased with herself for not being yeah. able to read yeah. shit. She's the um, the the proverbial N word from uh, Chris Rock's N words versus Black people's uh, uh, skits. <laughs> <laughs> Keith decodes the tablet, which uh, Sophia recognizes as a poem she has memorized. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> it's like I read it in a book once. <laughs> Okay. It's just, it just stayed with me. This is so dumb. <laughs> I remember this. I read this somewhere. The poem goes: If you go left, you die. If you go right, you don't. Die. Yeah, I just read it once, and it just stuck with me. It just, just really resonated with me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> This was, this was, um, this was especially, especially dumb. Yeah, it really was. It's, How handy! It's 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 the most boring poem ever, and that boils <laughs> down to go left. Yeah. <laughs> Katarina's gamer instincts finally decide to kick in. She suggests they go right so as to one hundred percent the map. <laughs> but they go left. 
yeah I had I had that thought when she said that they should go right because it might be a dead end and there'll be like a treasure chest there or something. Hell yeah. uh, it, it made me think about like uh, playing D and D and being in a dungeon, and <laughs> like uh, wanting to, wanting to go the other way, well, see yeah. what loot we can find. Natural. That's that's mm-hmm. game design, baby. That's uh, yeah. emergent gameplay. Hell yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's... That's that's my that's my new thing is calling shit that isn't emergent gameplay emergent <laughs> gameplay. <laughs> uh, um, things that I love, anime and video games. <laughs> don't yeah. don't hate them at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, always only love. <laughs> uh, so they go left. Uh, they end up at a large pool with a black figure swimming about under the surface. This obstacle is promptly invalidated when Keith uses his earth magic to make a bridge. It's funny, like when he when he was saying, uh, "I'm just going to use my earth magic to get us through this," and maybe he didn't say that in so many words. I was just expecting him to summon the dirt dolls, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "How's he going to use those to get, get across this water?" But he just made a bridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's do uh, let's do uh, an Occam's razor uh, solution here, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I I also love that in this scene they uh, present us with a uh, with a present threat, the uh, <laughs> and then completely forget about that, <laughs> just like. Uh, uh, just a- a- invalidated immediately by mm-hmm. uh, Keith using his his bridge magic. Um, yeah, uh, poor dungeon design on the mage's part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta gotta say, he did not did not think through that uh, a bunch of teens uh, fresh out of uh, the magic academy would uh, fucking put his dungeon design to shame. <laughs> Maybe he just wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the stone is where all his uh, his magic power was kept, and that's yeah, why maybe. that's why he sucks so much. At this point, Katarina is feeling some of that dreaded imposter syndrome. Just then, she notices a small pothole in the floor that she casts Earth Bump to refill. <laughs> and she says, "Come forth, Earth Bump." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> promoting a very unhealthy attachment style. <laughs> it's so, like, uh, I don't know, just, it's so unimpressive what she does. It's like a tiny little hole in the ground, and she's like, aha, now I can finally use my tiny earth bumps for something. And she's, like, very pleased with herself. Yeah, and, like, they all stop to applaud her. Uh, yeah, and, they do. And, and praise her magic abilities, which mm. is 100% NPC behavior, right? Like, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what NPCs are meant to do, is, like, uh, make you, the player, feel special and powerful. She then almost immediately afterwards triggers an arrow trap that Keith and Jordo have to defuse. At this point, Keith does summon the the dirt dolls <laughs> to, to 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 soak all the arrows for yeah. for them, which I I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, they're like uh, he sacrifices them, <laughs> summons them, and then kills them with the arrows. Yeah, that's a, a heated gamer moment. In the commotion, Katarina walks through a trick wall and is plunged into a lower level. Yeah, shit gets real. 
Katerina makes her way through the crystal-dotted caverns, calling out the name of friends. She appears to be followed, unbeknownst to her, by a creepy black shadow. Meanwhile, the Council of Katerina's lament having triggered a doom flag entirely unrelated to the game. One of them is holding a controller and literally leading Katerina to look for foods. Yeah, this really like uh, follows on from I think something we talked about yes. last time, yes. where like the council is playing the game. Yeah, yeah. it's so like weird. I don't understand like the layers of abstraction of this like reincarnation. The council is her mind, but she's also separate to the mind because she's independently doing stuff in the world and they're controlling her i don't know it was yeah. very confusing. it's it is confusing I, I don't think we're supposed to be looking into it as uh, uh, deeply as we, we have been looking into it so far uh this is just uh but I, I i do agree that as as a as a visual metaphor the the council of katarina's is a, a bit underutilized and yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh not very clearly defined I guess it's a useful way for them to like recenter the narrative back to like she's been reincarnated in a game where she's trying to avoid the doom flags. Mm, mm. Um, but other than that, plays other roles <laughs> that aren't quite clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was goofy that it uh, sort of acknowledges that uh, it's these 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 little gremlins inside uh, Katarina's mm. mind or. Are actually the, the the things that are moving her and the, and the spiders <laughs> the spiders in her mind, so to speak. <laughs> she finds some purple mushrooms and starts to gather as many as she can. Delicious purple mushrooms. <laughs> Definitely not at all poisonous. Back up top, Sophia and the boys report Katarina's disappearance to Nicole, who seems genuinely stunned. Yeah, but like even when he hears that she's like disappeared in this dungeon of traps, he can still not summon any words. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, this <laughs> woman that she supposedly loves is uh, is lost in a, a dungeon. A, an outcome that you could have predicted given uh, Katarina's yeah. uh, uh, prowess, <laughs> but still. Mm-hmm. Just a yeah. big old fucking question mark just hovering over yeah. his head. Mary, Maria, and Alan also happen to stop by and hear the distressing news. Mary wails in despair. <laughs> Somehow, this gives Nickel the brilliant idea to use his wind magic to detect Katarina's voice. Mm. Sounds like kind of a reach. <laughs> I, I guess voice is a type of wind <laughs> or is, it, is it that like her voice is going to be carried on the wind but like that's not a real oh. thing right? that's just something people say right oh. I don't know oh is that so I don't know oh I have no I, idea actually I, wait, yes, wait your explanation makes a lot more sense actually I, 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 did, I did not think of that like I just, I just thought oh because she's like speaking and speaking is like making wind happen in your (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yeah maybe maybe my one does make more sense than that In any case, it's a it's it's a poorly uh, poorly thought out plot point. As well, yeah, it's still kind of a contrived. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In any case, Sophia and Nicole stand back to back and do some more magical special effects. 
Meanwhile, Katarina has made it to the heart of the cavern, having diligently collected every mushroom along the way like a true Skyrim hoarder. Her excitement for mushrooms is what puts the gang on her trail. Yes, she like cries out, Kinoko! (laughs) And then Alan's like, what does Kinoko mean? (laughs) You idiot, Alan. What do you think it means? She's just saying mushroom. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm very happy that like uh, she's gathering all these mushrooms and not eating them. Uh, serves to illustrate that Katarina is just this uh, this creature of like impulse and mm. uh, whatever is inside of her head controlling her with a with a fucking actual controller is <laughs> um, some sort of. A monstrous id that is uh, more obsessed with uh, a hoarding of resources than uh, ever actually having to make use of them. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> never, never mind. <laughs> I'm thinking way too hard about this shit. Um, there's like a moment when she's like gathering mushrooms and she's like, I can't wait to eat these. I wish I had some soy sauce. She's like, she's like, gonna, like, she's there gonna like pour soy sauce on these raw purple mushrooms that she picked in a cave and eat them. Truly some Skyrim shit. Just uh, (laughs) max out your inventory space with, uh, with mushrooms. (laughs) And then uh, let's eat them and see what happens. Uh, yeah, and it's it's her like vocal excitement about these mushrooms that like uh, causes causes Nickel to to catch catch her her wind, so to speak. Yeah, Sophia runs ahead, mm. like and uh, runs ahead of the others. Yeah, yeah. To go after her. Katarina is hanging over the edge of a long drop, trying to pick mushrooms. <laughs> She spies a glowy stone with sharp edges besides her and uses that to cut the mushrooms away from the rock wall. As she is doing this, she detects the black shadow in her presence. It seems to emit from her butts as a fart. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Did, you, did you not get you that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you noticed it. And I, I feel like it was. Uh, it, it seemed pretty deliberate that it was just like, the shadow was emitting like a, a smoke from her her, her butt, basically. Right. So, <laughs> I think that was the, uh, the 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 visual gag they were they were going for, but like, uh, okay, it's, it's definitely seemed that way to me. <laughs> All right, um, I Katarina missteps and finds herself hanging over the ledge. Just as Katarina is about to lose her grip, Sophia's hand reaches out and grabs hers. I don't ever want to lose you again, Sophia says. Yeah, I really like that Sophia's the one that saves her here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, inadvertently letting uh, a, a past life memory uh, slip through very subtly. It's uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, Katarina is so oblivious that she wouldn't even make anything of that. No, no, exactly. <laughs> She's also hanging over, over the edge of a, a large pit, so you That's can't true, really yeah. blame her. Just then, a magical whirlwind appears out of nowhere, lifting and carrying them both to safety. They embrace, and Katarina asks whether the whirlwind was Sophia's doing. It was not. We see a silhouette slink away off screen. Yeah, so what was this whirlwind? 
Yeah, it's someone. Uh, it wasn't Sophia, and like uh, she doesn't ask Nicole, but I think we can assume that it wasn't Nicole either. No. Uh, he, he shows up a bit later. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm guessing this the shadow that was trailing Katarina was someone. Someone. Uh, the person who the title of the episode asks w- whether it is the person that will come at me or her. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could be. I mean, seems weird to gender a shadow. Uh, yes. Yes, yes, that's that's a good point, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Well, yeah, well, watching this episode, I certainly assumed that the shadow was a man. Uh Damn. Yeah, um, I, did, I, did. I wasn't sure what the shadow was. I mean, if the shadow was responsible for the whirlwind, was the shadow good? Maybe keeping an eye on her so she doesn't yeah, die? Yeah. I don't know. It's mysterious. Maybe. You, you, you want to hear my theory? Yes. This is this is not necessarily a theory. This is just a, just a vague feeling I had while I was watching the episode that I don't base on anything, no, no, no evidence, no textual like evidence or anything like that. I just think it's serious Deke. Serious Deke. <laughs> he is there, isn't he? He's, he's like he was there like with Nickel at the start. Was uh, he? Second, the second years who were like looking over the. Exam oh yes, 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 yes. Serious Deke, serious Deke, <laughs> and Nickel. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he's the, he's the only person not accounted for, and there there is also a very odd moment that passes between Sirius Deke and Katarina in uh, the, the next episode. Um, yeah, right. Which doesn't really serve as evidence for anything other than Sirius Deke just being a weirdo. Um, yeah, which he totally is. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I feel like this, this shadow was, was serious for some reason. Oh, it could totally be. Yeah, again, no evidence, but just mm. just a feeling. Yeah, I mean, spoilers, it doesn't get explained in the next two episodes. No, so, no. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it's got some significance. Yeah, and, and like the whole Sophia being Achan thing doesn't, doesn't come up again either. But, uh, but yeah, ho- hopefully we'll in- encounter that in the, in the, 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 final, the final three. But. Mm, hopefully. And the rest of the gang catch up to them finally. Everyone is safe and sound. It turns out that Katarina's mushroom picking stone is in fact the stone inhabited by magical power. Sasuga Katarina saw. <laughs> yeah, she was using it to cut mushrooms. <laughs> and they all have a hearty laugh, but Maria notices the smoke monster over Katarina's shoulder. <laughs> smoke monster. <laughs> she says nothing. On the hearty laugh that they have, Alan is the one who laughs the loudest, and he's got a beautiful laugh, and it goes on for way too long. <laughs> and you can still hear him laughing when the others are talking after him. <laughs> oh, damn, I don't remember. Katarina proposes a mushroom party. That's, that's the phrase that she uses. Um, yeah, she says mushroom party. Yeah. And I thought Kinoko. I knew what a mushroom party was. Kinoko party. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I knew what a mushroom party was, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> Wait, what is your idea of a mushroom party? Isn't it like a party where a bunch of people take mushrooms? Uh, oh, yeah. I suppose you could call that a mushroom yeah, like party. Magic, magic mushroom party. That's yeah. a thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, 
Um, it's not not a phrase I've ever used, uh, yeah. but but you could definitely call that a mushroom party. As as a very very cool person, I've heard the term mushroom party <laughs> <laughs> used in that way. Mary, our first Ubicon, vows to eat whatever Katarina puts on the table, poisonous or otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She just uh, she would die for Katarina. Yeah, no, I... and that only becomes clearer. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I just love how how unapologetically horny on main Mary is. Uh, yeah, I know. She's the best. Episode eight is called "I Became Engulfed by Desire." Dot dot dot. I like the promise of this episode because using the word desire implies we're actually about to get some romance, maybe. Yes. Which I think we've been waiting for. Been <laughs> promised. Yeah, we've, we've been promised some payoff on these uh, on these romance routes, and what we get proves to be a, a little disappointing, yeah. in, in my opinion. In, in, in some ways, but I think in other ways, there are some good things that happen in this. Yeah. No, I which agree. We'll get, which we'll get into. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, this was. Um, I was very torn about whether this was a good episode or a bad mm. episode. But yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> yes. Katerina is having trouble studying, so she decides to tend her garden instead. Alan arrives just in time to receive an overripe pumpkin from her. He fucking sneaks up on her, is what he does. He just turns around and he's just there. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it felt like to me. Like first he wasn't there and then he was. More NPC shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He got loaded in. (laughs) It's a texture pop up. Just uh, (laughs) (laughs) crept up on us. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just uh, Katarina just offloads uh, her, her overripe pumpkins uh, on him as, as well without any regard for um, whoever he might want them or not because um, yeah. you're a fucking NPC, just take the shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I load up my companion character in a Fallout game with all of the, the shit that I pick up but don't need. Or it's like in Stardew Valley when you pick up, like, uh, a a leak and like give it to someone as a gift and they're like oh this is a great gift <laughs> no that's that's just that's just real life i'd i'd love if someone I, gave I would me accept a leak. A leak, yeah maybe a leak was a bad example <laughs> and I'd, I'd love an overripe pumpkin as well to be honest yeah <laughs> any pumpkin yeah i'll have one Katerina reminds us that being metaphysically aware of the circumstances of your own doom as a way of reprioritizing your life. And I think this was actually a moment where uh, I did consider Alan's NPC-ness mm. because she says some stuff about doom and yeah. things and, and he's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, yeah. She like does not give a fuck if he hears what she's saying. <laughs> no, exactly. She just sort of like smiles and she's like, "I ne- never you worry, you simpleton, <laughs> you beautiful himbo. <laughs> you yeah. just remain remain unaware of your, uh, your 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 meaningless existence as an NPC uh, while I yeah. while I um, game the system here and uh, <laughs> I'll live for as long as I possibly can." Yeah. From a distant window, it seems that these two are being spied on. Lowering her opera binoculars, we find <laughs> Mary steaming over this little tete-a-tete. Yeah, she says, uh, I've, I've got to get between them. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, like, so she can be with which one of them? Like, which one of them is she coveting to come between? I don't know. She just, uh, she's, she just loves drama. She's a, yeah, she's a, a, a messy bitch that loves drama. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> she moves to intervene, but on her way to the garden, she runs into Katerina, who has translocated somehow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she invites Mary to study with her. Mary is so happy. <laughs> She's like overjoyed. Basically, got stars in her eyes. She yeah. like obviously really loves her. Yeah, yeah, she does. She's uh, she, yeah. I, I I like I like Mary for for how how simple and like uh, simple to understand she is, and uh, her her just undying devotion to to Katarina is uh, it's cute. Yeah. Plus the opera binoculars is is a look. <laughs> yeah. <I should. laughs> yeah. Having relocated to the student council room, Mary and Katerina make little progress, as Katerina is too thick and Mary is too horny. Yeah, Mary's like, oh, Katerina's sitting so close to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I get to spend all this alone time with her. Uh, a quick question, what the fuck are they studying? They just have this book that's like... Uh, full of this indecipherable text, and yeah. they keep saying, I can't solve this problem, I don't know the answer. Yes. What are you studying? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a a great question. Um, magic, I guess. Yeah, um, just magic. <laughs> yeah, just studying magic. I, I I know for for some reason, like um, I just had it in my head as like math. It's probably math or something. Yeah, because it sounds like they're trying to solve a problem. Yeah, using yeah. Some kind of formula, maybe. But yeah. Like math. I don't know. Yeah, it might just be my own aversion to math or something. Uh, <laughs> They get a couple pointers from Sirius Deke, who recommends they hit up the library, specifically the East Wing. Could he be plotting something? Is what what I thought at this point. When, yeah, me too, actually. When when I rewatched it, when I watched it a second time, I was like, oh, the very specific instructions you have there, Mister Deke. Yeah, he's sus, isn't he? Yes, yes, red is sus. He has red hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when Katerina thanks him for the tip, his face becomes one of absolute bemusement, as if he's never been thanked before in his life. Yeah, he has this weird look. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it shows you his face for a bit too long. Yeah. As though there's some significance to this look he's got. Yeah. Uh, and I could not decipher it. Me neither. He just looked extremely confused by uh, being thanked for the general advice of studying in the library. It's it's really bizarre, and it just made made Sirius more and more sus to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just a very good chance that uh, he is also a reincarnated person. Is, yes, uh, I thought uh, the like, same thing, yeah. They make their way to the library, but happen to bump into the rest of the cast along the way. They decide to join in on the study date, much to Mary's chagrin. Jordo's totally got Mary's number here. Uh, when he sort of invites himself to come with them, mm. he's the first one they run into. Yeah. Uh, Mary is obviously a bit distraught by that because she wanted to spend some time alone with Katerina. Mm-hmm. And Jordo's like, there's no reason why you would be annoyed at me joining, is there, Mary? <laughs> he's totally got her number. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, they, 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 it's game recognized game. they're they're all like equally or like to some degree obsessed with uh, Katarina and they they, they know that uh, they've got some competition to to, to work with so then they're all like just immediately suspicious of it so uh, game theory mutually assured destruction (laughs) (laughs) exactly I never thought of it like that before (laughs) once seated around a table in the library Katarina's tummy lets out a rumble not of shitting, but of hunger. Yeah, she's hungry. <laughs> Mary and Maria offer to bring their queen some tea and biscuits. <laughs> but uh, so, by this point, I'm really starting to get sick and tired of Maria's. Shall I bring some sweets? <laughs> it really isn't as endearing and cute as it's supposed to be. I'm like actually done with it. And it only it like only continues. Just, yeah, that's because that's because Maria has like zero personality, and zero, <laughs> exactly yeah. uh, zero like uh, motivation or like uh, goals uh, aside from like a supposed attachment to Katarina. She's not as attached as uh, Mary and Sophia are. It, yeah. it that's how it feels to me. And I, I feel like this episode is uh, it gives her a bit more personality, but that is uh, totally my own like intense reading of like yeah, the situation. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> but it's it's interesting to me how like she is the original player character, right? Yeah. Where, like all there's supposed to be some version of reality where all of the male characters fall in love with her. Yeah. But. If all the male characters are in love with Katarina, like Maria couldn't be further from Katarina in personality. So I wonder, like, uh, mm. I don't know. I wonder, like, what it was about her that would have made them fall in love in the game. I guess it doesn't really matter because it's a game, and it, you know they're all supposed to yeah or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from from a, a a meta perspective, uh, for a moment, it it is like a uh, sort of a design strategy in uh, many, but not all, um, visual novels to have a protagonist that is like as generic as possible, uh, as like right, um, yeah. as uh, generically designed and like as um, without uh, personality. Sometimes going even uh, as far as to not give them any spoken text at all to like um, allow the players to sort of um put themselves in the uh, the character shoes so yeah that makes yeah sense. so that, that that might be what's what maria is supposed to represent yeah she's just an empty individual <laughs> yeah stay a, a protag coon the uh <laughs> a protag that could not could not be the protag mm. Katarina's hunger proves too distracting for her to focus on studies, so she gets up to do some light stretching. 
she notices a shiny book on a bookshelf. She picks it up and flips it open. In a flash of lights, all present are promptly sucked into the book as it drops to the floor. We are now in double isekai territory. Yeah, so meta, isn't it? (laughs) In my notes, I actually wrote down, they all got sucked into a fucking book, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely like the most exciting thing to have happened in the show so far. Yeah, and I I was hoping that uh, they they would at this point take a a bit more of a a, a meta approach to uh, the storytelling, sort of like being, oh, this is uh, is, uh, the the episode where they present sort of a a commentary on um, fandom and shipping and Mm. like a a light novel industry or or whatever, romance novels, etc. It's kind of like that maybe yeah, maybe of. not all the way i mean this is it, it, this is not that anime i guess but yeah not quite yeah that's that's kind of what i was hoping mary and maria return just in time to witness this magical predicament in order to get to the bottom of this they decide to pick up the book and have a read the tome follows the series' poor fantasy naming convention and also states that once one's desires are fulfilled, those captured may be saved. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forget what the book is actually. It's something like um, a magical tome named Desire or something, or a book yeah, by the name of remember. Desire. Yeah, <laughs> a book by the name of Desire. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And it's uh, just uh, another poor naming choice. As they turn the page, they see a picture of Jordo and Katarina in wedding clothes, and the scene is brought to life before their eyes. Jordo's fantasy is predictably creepy, He tries to coerce Katarina with wine and continued insistence. Yeah, there's there's even actually a a moment where he says, I want to make you more uncomfortable. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is that? He's so gross. He does a maneuver where he chucks his wine in the air, catches Katarina mid-fall, and catches the wine back in his glass. That's admittedly pretty cool, <laughs> but the rest is gross. Yeah, it was a pretty smooth move. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he has this really horrible lechy vibe in this scene where yeah. he knows that she doesn't want him. He clearly knows that she's uncomfortable, but he's yeah. persisting anyway. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this brings up some questions about the nature of this magical object and the uh, the state of the people that are um, trapped in it. Uh, the state of Katarina. Um, mm. <laughs> just to summarize, like when 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 Mary and Maria open the book, they see like these these fantasies of the people that are uh, trapped in the book. And one one through line through these fantasies is that um, Katarina is sort of an unwilling participant in mm. in, in, in all of these um, uh, fantasies, whether whether she is like um, a lucid for this or not, which which makes me think either Katarina is aware during these these um, these yeah. fantasy vignettes, or Katarina's unwillingness is a part of everybody's fantasies Ooh, here. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that second one is weird. Maybe. <laughs> 
Yeah. I I wondered if like because she seems more aware than the others that something weird is going on. Yeah. Um, I wondered if it was because she was the one that opened the book. Like maybe she got some special holding, uh, in the way the fantasies play out. But uh, I really don't know. <laughs> no, it's not clear it's, at all. It's not clear at all. And like uh, the, the the little passage that they read, like um, to summarize the nature of the book, is also not very clear. And the the they can. Cl- I'm, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Let's continue. I guess it's nice that in Jordo's fantasy, he'd like to be married before proceeding to the questionable consent dalliances. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mary slams the book shut at this development, but Maria urges her to read on. In the next chapter, we find Keith and Katerina back at their estate. Mmm, God. <laughs> Keith is giving off an oddly sexy vibe and is tempting Katerina with chocolate chip cookies. He's, he's also very creepy in this scene. Yeah. He's like trying to be sexy yeah. and he like licks his lips at yeah. some point. Uh, yeah, it's weird because it's like his personality usually is not like that. He's like not very lechy. He's like maybe a bit overprotective of Katerina, but yeah. he's kind of like a normalish person. Uh, but he just transforms into this like ghoulish sex pervert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like a not not a uh, not a very competent one though, because he, yeah. he feels like uh, the way uh, of winning uh, Katerina's. Um, he feels that the way to win Katerina's participation, let's say, uh, mm. is by dangling a chocolate chip cookie in front of her. Well, I, no, I, well, now that I've said that, I, I guess that that does make sense, actually. That, that he, does seem like basically, He kind of says, like, uh, participate in whatever this is, or I'll eat this cookie. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he's threatening her. Yeah. He's holding so a cookie hostage. He's coercing her. Yeah. <laughs> holding a cookie hostage. This is his strap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a, a continuation of the, the handkerchief strats that we uh, briefly <laughs> yeah. saw in episode four or something. Yeah. Just as this seductive feeding scene begins to escalate, Mary snaps the book shot once more. I, I feel you, Mary. This app is rough. Yeah, I, I, I felt kind of bad for Mary that she obviously desires Katerina very intensely, but she doesn't get to go into the book and like mm. play out her desires. She's just like got to watch it. I, I had a feeling at this point as well. Oh, wow. So we're going to see a scene with Alan mm. uh, where Mary is going to see Alan's desire for Katerina. And maybe it will put to bed once and for all which one of them she likes better because there was that weird scene at the end of the fifth or sixth episode mm. where uh, she and Alan have this really weird conversation Yes. or uh, yeah I can't remember exactly what they said but it cast out on whether or not she actually maybe she does really love Alan and want to be with him yeah yeah that's uh I, I thought it was actually pretty clever that they just uh <laughs> shut that scene down immediately yeah. Um, no, but uh yeah we'll, we'll get to that mm, um yeah. At this point, our two super sleuths figure out that this book is showing them the desires of those trapped within. It should be noted that Katerina is fully lucid and flustered throughout all this. 
So I guess a degree of reluctance is a part of the boy's fantasy. Yeah, well, yeah, potentially. <laughs> Maria then recalls that she once heard a rumor that there existed such a book that thrives off the desires of others. A baffling rumor that makes me wonder just what kind of rumors mill around this school anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, what's even odder is that Maria has heard this same rumor and cites it as one of the school's seven mysteries. Mm. World building at its finest. Yeah, I can't wait to see the other six mysteries. We'll definitely get to see them. <laughs> <laughs> very, very lucky that uh, the two, the two of them have heard of this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to picture the situation that might arise where, like, someone mentions the book that thrives <laughs> off of people's desires. And, like... I wonder if Sirius Deke sent them here on purpose. This is all his plan. Yeah, his uh, his elaborate ploy to. Uh, for for what I don't know. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> just to fuck with them. Yeah, yeah. He just <laughs> he just uh, gets off on making NPCs uh, uh, suffer. Because <laughs> <laughs> from his perspective, everyone, if he was also a reincarnated person, like, damn, I'm I'm describing an entirely different anime, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Mary dreads reading on, considering that she will have to read all her friends' gross Katarina-related fantasies. But Maria encourages her. She believes it's the only way to get them out of there, plus she's Polly and a multi-shipper. <laughs> <laughs> Seems that way. Yeah, and I, I also suspect that she uh, she gets off on uh, seeing uh, uh, Mary's... Uh, uh, hopes and desires crushed a little bit <laughs> which there is a term for in uh the uh doujin uh, fan-made manga um circles uh <laughs> it's a, a a recognized genre i love anime <laughs> they turn the page to find katarina and sophia in another library talking about books Sophia then cuts to the chase, doing a cabedon, pinning Katerina to a bookshelf. Yeah. Before she can get the confession out of her mouth, though, Katerina says that she loves Sophia, too. But when pressed whether she loves her more than sweets, she is hesitant to answer. <laughs> yeah, she can't. She can't answer. <laughs> because ultimately, sweets are real, and Sophia's an empty shell NPC. <laughs> In Katarina's eyes, anyway, we both know that she's really Achan. <laughs> oh man, that's wow! That that took a turn for the tragic. <laughs> I, yeah, that that's true. Damn, that's sad making. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I uh, I mm, man, I. I just know we're not going to get any romantic payoff at the end of this, and I'm just... Yeah, of course not. <laughs> I'm just getting angry in advance. <laughs> Mary has had it in this moment, but Maria can't get enough. <laughs> Mary keeps slamming the book shut, and Maria's like, no, open it again. <laughs> <laughs> keep reading, keep reading. It's the only way to get them out. <laughs> Your pain gives me life. 
<laughs> and they turned the page to Nicole's lame fantasy of being a tuxedo mask ripoff. Uh, he looks grotesque. <laughs> His outfit is terrible. Yeah, it's just a a, a, a tuxedo mask ripoff. Fucking yeah. Get your own get your own drip, asshole. <laughs> um, she she thinks he might be the the count. Uh, whatever the count that they read about in uh, her and Sophia read about oh, in their yeah. books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The devilish count. The devilish count. Yeah. <laughs> he and Katerina are dancing together in a ballroom when they're stormed by some thirsty extras. They escape off a balcony onto a gondola before Nichols says some gross shit about trapping her in his arms. Nichols' fantasy is so bizarre to me because... His desire isn't just to have Katerina, it's also to, like, fly around and do parkour and sit on a gondola. <laughs> like, yeah. jumping between the rooftops and flying yeah. around and stuff. It's so weird. Yeah. So it, says, it says a lot about how he sees himself. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like, uh, his, his desire is to be in a, this uh, extroverted, uh, oversized personality and, like, uh, living in a romanticized sort of uh, uh, setting. Um and at this point, when this fantasy ends, I was thinking, okay, so I wonder what Katarina's desire is. And it didn't take me very long at all to be like, <laughs> I know exactly what her fucking desire is. <laughs> I know exactly what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. well, did, you, did you call the ending? Yes. <laughs> well, not exactly. Not the specifics of mm. it. How could I have called that? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I knew the gist of it. Yeah. That's that's fair. That's fair. I, I I wasn't entirely there yet, but like uh, you know, I'm just a I'm just a a, a simpleton that uh, is is very easily uh, very very easily suspends his uh, disbelief in order to be uh, sucked into a ridiculous harem comedy. Um, <laughs> It's the, it's the life that I chose. Uh, at this point, Mary is ready to burn the book, and so am I. The next chapter shows us Katerina and Alan by a piano, but Mary immediately slams the book shut again. <laughs> Alan doesn't even get his. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, wonder what it was. Plays it, her a song, and she, I don't know. Then he tries to latch on her, just like Keith and Jordan. I like to think better of Alan, though. Yeah, no, same here. Like, I don't know, maybe he, like, plays plays her a song and that just makes Katerina fall in love with him or whatever, which is a a valid seduction technique, guys. Yep. <laughs> if you could serenade someone and uh, it's... Everything is up for grabs. I'm <laughs> 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 uh, shit. Strike, strike from the record. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> She realizes there's only one chapter left to read, and it's Katerina's. We find Katerina wandering through a dark forest, experiencing severe hunger pangs. She laments not being able to eat Maria's sweets and drink Mary's tea. Just then, a large gingerbread house appears before her. Katerina, being who she is, begins to gorge. She continues to eat at the house until it transforms into a whirlwind of sweets that she vacuums into her mouth. Katerina begins to expand uncontrollably. What's happening? Mary exclaims. Someone's inflation fetish is happening, Mary. (laughs) Yeah, what can you say about this? It it kind of reminded 
gonna be if like that Simpsons Treehouse of Horror where Homer goes to hell and they feed him donuts over and over <laughs> yes, again, and yes. he just loves it and he just like gets bigger and bigger eating donut after donut. <laughs> yeah. Exactly like that. You know, it's so weird. Yeah, no, that's 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 the exact thing I thought of as well, actually. But she, because it's not real, her hunger is never satisfied. Yeah. She she's not satisfied by eating all the sweets, which is mm. I guess why she like begins to vacuum them in from the sweet whirlwind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Raises a lot of questions for me, because the Katerina that all of the boys and Sophia desire is that. The real Katarina would their desire be fulfilled if they uh, were to do with Katarina whatever it is that they they wanted to do? I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's, it's that's just, a good point though. It's, mm-hmm. it's a poorly thought out premise, and it, it sort of contradicts the little passage that they read when they first open the book as like when, when they fulfill their desires, etc., etc. But yeah, just just further cements this as a poor premise. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess as well, like the fact that her her deepest desire is to eat lots of sweets further cements the what we were talking about earlier about like how she really sees the people around her. She would much rather eat than be with any of them. None of them are even present in her fantasy. Yeah, yeah. She just wants to eat stuff. Yeah, I mean, same, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I relate. Um... It is Katarina's ceaseless devouring that causes the book to explode and eject its captives back into the library. Katarina is revived by being fed a cookie. Yeah, well, she's passed out. Pretty yeah. Much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once everyone has come to their senses and realizes the gross and embarrassing shit they've been compelled to do by the book, they excuse themselves from the library. Except Alan, who's like... I don't know why you're all so embarrassed. I was just sat at a piano. (laughs) (laughs) Maria offers up some big brain explanation for why the book could no longer contain them, which doesn't seem consistent at all with the previously established logic, but whatever. Katarina is back to eating real sweets, and all is well. Yep. (laughs) In the post-credits sequence, Alan and Katarina are sitting in a tree together and having a sweet moment. Mary then shows up to break this the fuck up. Yeah, I thought they were going to kiss Sue. Yeah. Their faces yeah. are very close. They're watching the sunset yeah, together. It's very romantic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's the, it's the post-credits, so it doesn't really count. It doesn't really, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's really, never happened. Yeah, not really canon. It, it felt like a filler episode to me in some way, you know. Um, yeah. Yes, yes and no for me, I think. Mm. I think it to a degree confirmed that Sophia and Mary's love for Katerina is romantic. Mm-hmm. If there were doubts before, which I still had some doubts just because I don't yeah. believe it, it could really happen. But yeah, other than that, maybe yeah, it did feel a bit like a filler episode. Episode 9. Things got crazy at a slumber party, dot dot dot. Katarina's living maid, Anne, is ironing clothes with a wild steampunk-looking iron <laughs> when Katarina bursts into her modest accommodations. 
modest is an understatement here she has absolutely yeah. nothing in her room she has nothing just a bed <laughs> and an ironing board yeah or not even an ironing board it's like a table or something that Literally. she has to use as an ironing board or maybe <laughs> i can't remember exams have come and gone and katarina has passed it also means katarina is in the end game stage and her doom might soon be at hand she is muttering this worrying prediction in front of Anne, who apparently is completely accustomed to hearing Katarina ramble about doom flags and such. That's worrying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've seen Katarina do this in front of Alan now, and then like in yeah. front of in front of her maid as well. So mm. it doesn't seem unreasonable to conclude that like she is literally at times just walking around being, "I'm fucking doomed. I'm so doomed. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to kill yeah. me." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she's not worried. <laughs> maid, maid's not worried. She's used to it. A child. <laughs> Yeah, just a, just a little eccentric. She runs off to tell all her friends, but not before thanking Anne for her help. Even though she pays Anne to be there, I assume. So like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's not like Anne's helping her out of the kindness of her heart. But at least that's how it feels at this point. I hope she's getting paid. I hope she's putting some fucking money away for for all of this uh, this 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 work that she does because it's uh, she goes above and beyond. She does, yeah. <laughs> We turn to Anne as she opens a box of trinkets on her desk, beside a framed picture of Katerina, which is cute, I guess. This moment was really weird to me because her face, when she looked in the box, she looked so unchill. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought she like had this really weird look on her face. Like at this point, because we know that the end game is coming. Yeah. At the start of this episode, I kind of got it in my head shit maybe the maid is a doom flag somehow <laughs> so i just like was reading the maid's actions at least in the first half of the show as being like uh sinister yeah, yeah that's fair that's fair well i i i, I wrote here that like having a framed picture of katarina is cute but really it's kind of obsessive isn't it it's like, weird isn't it what, yeah what maids are like uh, has a picture of the uh, the person that they're serving that's a, a little bit funny. abusive <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's some uh, some some norman bait shit while katarina hangs out with her pals Anne observes how all of them are madly in love with katarina but she is too oblivious to notice this she describes Katarina as problematic. Yeah, yeah. She's... That's that's the word they use in the translation yeah. anyway. Pro no. She's very problematic. Yeah, that's the translation. Then I was like, oh shit, so she hates her. <laughs> it's like she's the next doom flag is what I think. Yeah, yeah. Anne is, Anne is out to cancel Katarina. Yeah. In some flashbacks, we see Jordo being an even bigger bully than usual. Keith privately admitting to his siscon wishes. Ellen playing the violin for Katarina's potatoes, and Mary revealing her carefully constructed plan to elope. Jordo here in, in his flashback was terrible. She's saying to him, the scar on my head is gone, the wound on my head is gone, so we don't have to get married now, like, you don't have to marry me. And he's like, no, it's definitely still there. She's like, really? I'm pretty sure it's not. Like, I look in the mirror and I, I don't see it. I'm pretty sure it's not there. He's just gaslighting her, like, it's definitely still there. And then he says to the maid, 
isn't it definitely still there? And the maid's too scared to say no. Yeah. But she helps gaslight her. That was, yeah, that was legit terrifying. That was like uh, just Jordo being a a, a monster. <laughs> just yeah, to, he is a monster. <laughs> pressuring this, this poor maid to like a, a, agree to like participate in his gaslighting. That's, yeah. Um, that's that's kind of next level. I mean, it is. Uh, we're, we're seeing like um, a proof after proof of Jordo's um, just ill intent. Just another piece of the uh, and a creepy puzzle that is uh, emerging about Jordo. Uh, that moment is contrasted with Mary's escape plan, which is very sweet. She's like looked up all the boats that you can <laughs> yeah. get. It's like we could go away, run away together to an island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then like Katarina's response is like that's nice yeah yeah she doesn't get it at all does she fuck man she also reckons Sophia is trying to set up Nicole and Katarina while totally erasing Sophia's own yearning yeah which is rude yeah and Sophia's like my brother is so adorable I was like that's your brother <laughs> girl a little later, the girls agree to have a pajama party together. When Katarina proposes the boys have a little get-together of their own, they all seem very reluctant. Fellas, is it gay to chill with your homies while you're all wearing pajamas? <laughs> Keith, Keith is especially against the idea. Like, Alan's like, I don't know, it could be fun. And Keith's like, what? <laughs> Are you crazy, bro? <laughs> yeah, that's because Keith is away in the closet. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I like um, very disappointed that uh, by by this point, episode nine, we don't see like a, any more hints of like uh, Keith being possibly uh, bi or, or or gay or whatever. Like um, since his brief infatuation with Nickel in episode right, three, yeah. I'm reading this as uh, as as Nickel being uh, closeted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Keith. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Katarina is trying to pick out the right pajamas for the party. In my opinion, she should have stopped at the eggplant kigurumi. I love that. Yes. I want it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so cool. It's it's so good. I love it. It's uh, yeah. I I I stopped the episode and immediately checked online if I could uh, find find one. <laughs> Did you? Y- yes, I found nice. one. Nice. It's like uh, 80 pounds or something. But a 32-year-old guy wearing an eggplant kigurumi is a bit different from a uh, an anime teen wearing one. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, yeah, I, I, mean, I, 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 get to, I get to wear an eggplant kigurumi in the comfort of my own home. So Exactly, yeah. Like, you're only going to be wearing it when you're alone. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I'm, that's, that's it. I'm getting, I'm getting the eggplant <laughs> kigurumi. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Fucking nothing. Police policing my my own fucking Kigurumi purchases. The second option is an abominable jester outfit covered in fairy lights. Yeah, it's hideous. Yeah, it's just I don't know what you were thinking with, with this outfit, but it needs to be burned. In the end, she goes for something far more subdued. The night of the pajama party arrives, and the girls are talking about their koibito. Mm. They're all looking very cute, especially Sophia, who is wearing a grandma-as-fuck sleeping cap. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Uh, the grandma in, like, Red Riding Hood or 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a just a, a tiny grandma in this uh, bit. The awkwardly phrased question of, if you had a lover, what would you do with them, comes up. Katerina responds that she would make them a meal with the vegetables she's raised. We are shown an image of eggplants. This is 100% a dick joke, <laughs> if it was not clear previously. Yeah, but what kind of dick joke? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I get that it's a dick joke, but I don't quite understand what the joke is. Yes. Yes. No, precisely. It is an, an incomplete dick joke, a poorly planned dick joke, uh, which is all of the dick jokes in this series so far are just... Are they... Okay, I, I, I say this is 100%... Oh, God, I'm calling it into question now. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta it's gotta be right like this this yeah. recurring eggplant thing has got it's to be it's not an accident it's not a coincidence like the, the, and it makes me think as well about like the fact that she was wearing the eggplant outfit in the previous scene as well yeah well i i felt that that was a bit more innocuous eggplants besides being uh emoji like stand-in for for dicks are also a cute and delicious vegetable they are <laughs> But then, but the fact that it's like right before this scene with the dick joke in it, using eggplant. Yeah, yeah, that does put it in a different context, definitely. I, I mean, they could have they could have chosen like a carrot or like a marrow or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they chose an eggplant. I'm 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 going to settle this, uh, and as soon as we finish here, I, I've got to know whether the eggplant emoji is a thing in Japan. Oh um, yeah. yeah, yeah, we should check that before <laughs> come to any conclusion. Yeah, I I need to know now. Mary reminds us she is gay as heck, and gay for Katarina in particular. Sophia describes some Chunibio fairy tale fantasy romance. Yeah, that was a nice moment for Mary, actually, where she's like, oh, you know, if I was dating somebody, I would um, take a bath with them, and we could style each other's hair, and we could trade dresses. And Katarina's like, you couldn't do that stuff with a boy, though. And Mary's like, why does it have to be a boy? Mm-hmm. I thought that was nice. Um, exactly. Why indeed, Mary... And then we missed out Maria here. Maria, obviously, predictably boring as shit. So yeah. She makes them some sweets. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, she sucks. Uh, <laughs> and Sophia, so she's describing what happens in a book, but obviously we didn't realize that at first. Like, one of the first things she says is, I would like to fight alongside them for the sake of the country. Yeah. <laughs> Something she'd like to do with her romantic partner. <laughs> Clearly, what, what this is, is um, Sophia posing uh, the question just so she can provide her overly long and detailed <laughs> answer that she fought way too long about before actually raising the question. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, universally recognized strats in um, friendship and conversation. Uh, once that is wrapped up, the group turn their attention to Anne, who is just standing in the same room <laughs> silently, no doubt cringing on the inside. Yeah, what's what's that about? She's literally just standing there with this like <laughs> glum look on her face <laughs> while they're having a sleepover. Like, why does she need to be there? Yeah, she doesn't. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what she was doing there either, aside from moving the plot along. Was there ever any talk of her getting married? Things get a bit awkward, so Katarina changes the subject and dismisses Anne in a um, surprising move of like uh, emotional intelligence. 
uh, yeah there. Anne says she doesn't want to get married right mm-hmm. she says I have no intention of ever getting married on the way back to her Spartan bedchamber Anne has a Vietnam flashback to her youth we find out she was born from the affair between a baron and his maid her dad was a dick so her mom coached Anne on being extra docile Mm, yeah. But one day, a fire broke out in the manor, claiming her mother's life. When that first shot appears with the, with the house being on fire, I was really hoping it was Anne that like, uh, set the fire. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. would uh, support the theory of her being sinister. <laughs> yeah. This also left Anne scarred on her arm, making her useless in the eyes of her dad. Because she's now unmarriable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some. Uh... Yeah, it's brutal. He says, "You, you, no one's gonna want to marry you now, so uh, I don't want you. Go away." Yeah, that's that's basically how that happens, and she went on to work for the uh, Kleiss household. Yeah, there's some recurring motifs here. This uh, uh, un, uh, supposedly unsightly scars, uh, horrible misfigurements, uh, disfigurements. Uh, making you completely unmarriageable and therefore useless in the eyes of this society, and also mm-hmm. uh, being the the product of an uh, illicit affair, um, yeah. making uh, making things extra difficult for you in life. I'm beginning to wonder what they're trying to say with like uh, all of this. I um, if they're trying to say anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not just like useful uh, narrative beats. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. It's worth noting that the scar, the supposedly like hideous, disfiguring scar, is like on her arm, and she wears like long sleeves anyway. So mm. it's not like anyone would even see it most of the time. She ended up being Katarina's maid, of course, which sucked at first. But then the faded bump caused her to become the manic pixie dream retainer that taught her how to love again. <laughs> Just how that happens is uh, kind of unclear, but uh, but still. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Mm. One day, she received a letter from her dad about an arranged marriage. He even shows up to pressure her into doing it, but Katerina protests. You see, she really, really needs this maid to wake her up and fix her bed and stuff. So sorry, but she's keeping her. Who else will wake up in the middle of the night to retuck her duvet? Kind of selfish of Katerina. Like, what if Anne wanted to get married? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we as an audience know that she she didn't. Well, we know that she wanted to, like, stay and stay working for the Kleist household because she likes Katerina. Mm. But there's still a possibility she, she might want to get married. I don't know. Yeah. We know she doesn't, but Katerina doesn't know. Yeah, no, you're right. No, as I was saying that, I was like, we we don't actually know. Uh, But it it does become clear that she is way more into serving Katerina than like uh, any other um, course of action that uh, Mm -hmm. might be available to to Anne. Yeah, this this seemed like a a, a little bit, just a little, little weird, a little tone deaf as to indeed mm. in the class relations between um, yeah. Katarina and and Anne in this situation, um, of course it's a little bit it's a little weird. Katarina being a person who is, 
reincarnated and like technically 17 years old or like yeah. tw- 24 years old in and, her mind yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, however that ad- that math adds up um but still odd weird funny mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool that Anne sticks up for herself against her dad but i wish she considered her options a bit more Luckily, another man shows up to settle matters for these ladies. Yeah, it's Katarina's dad. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he look, he's ready to hand him his ass. Yeah, he shows up and he's like, I would like to speak to you man to man, sir. <laughs> sir, that is my maid, sir. <laughs> yeah. Please Sorry. leave immediately. Stupid. Yeah. And it didn't need to be there that moment. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, fucking Anne deciding on her own should have been enough. But, uh, mm. yeah, that's, that's the anime we're stuck with. But, mm-hmm. uh, luckily, the show drops that plot entirely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we cut to Jordo the next day. A letter has arrived for him from Katarina. She has invited Jordo to meet up with her in the garden behind the school. He is baffled by this elegant invitation that seems out of character for Katarina. He decides to turn up with a gift, and after some consideration, he picks a pair of golden shears. This is cute, but please don't try to humanize Jordo. He is my mm. mortal enemy. Yeah, so a few things about this this moment, this scene. Firstly, I found it really weird how he agonizes over what to get her. He remembers her saying that she wanted some new shears, maybe. But then he's like, but that's not really an appropriate or romantic gift for me to give my fiancé, which really mm. makes me think he lives in some kind of brain prison. <laughs> but then he, d- he decides to get them for her anyway, because he thinks like it'll be most likely to make her grateful to him. Mm-hmm. And then I, I only noticed just as the scene was ending, but the person that gave him the letter was like a man in a suit. And then as the scene ends, there's like two more men in suits. Yeah. And I was thinking like, who the fuck are these men in suits hanging out in Jordo's room? They're not even dressed like butlers of that era might be. They're just <laughs> guys in like regular like 20th century suits. Yes, you're right about that. Um, my conclusion is that the um, designers on the, the animation team were uh, made otakus rather than butler otakus, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore did not care about the, the butler's attire. But, um, They're uh, wearing ties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think... Um, the, well, first of all, the Japanese conception of uh, maids and butlers is uh, interesting, to say the least. Uh, I, I have seen butlers portrayed in that way before, uh, but they mm-hmm. certainly are not portrayed with the same care and um, attention to detail as uh, the maids. <laughs> no, totally. Jordo turns up at the appointed time and place, only to find that the rest of the gang are there with the same elegant invitation. As if they would be turned away if they showed up without it. <laughs> yeah, they all brought it with them. Yeah. Like it's the like entry ticket or something. Yeah. It turns out it is harvest day for Katarina. She has used her charm to manipulate all of her NPC-ass friends to help her reap what she has sown. Mm. This is a baller move, IMO. 
So this this was really weird to me because this scene follows on directly from Anne's flashbacks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought when Giordo received the invitation and he was like, oh, this looks too elegant to have been written by Katerina. I was like, oh, maybe the maid has sent an invitation to him and maybe she sent them to everyone so she can like gather them round and like tell them yes. something about Katerina. I don't know, like do something. Yes. But it's not, it's just Katerina. The maid plays no further role. <laughs> Precisely. She disappears. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I felt the, the exact same way. I had the same like suspicions. What is more notable, uh, I, I find, about this show is that we are given uh, two characters so far that we um, both find suspicious, that are pr- probably innocuous, like given the show that we're watching, but like for some reason they, they creep us the fuck out, being Anne and uh, Sirius Deke. I'm really hoping for some payoff on, on this uh, yeah, suspicion. Especially with Sirius D. Yeah. Again, I have no fucking evidence to suspect him of anything, but he's so sus. There's something so weird about him, (laughs) like his his place in the show, because he's not really part of the harem. Yeah. He's a side character. Yeah, yeah. We don't really know much about him. He's the president, the class president, I guess, and he's a second year. Um, But that's it. Mm-hmm. I I really hope to see a conclusion, a, a satisfying mm. conclusion to to whatever it is. I'm I, I might just watch the, the the rest after we finish this. Actually, you know, mm. I'm, <laughs> I need to know. Um. Yes. Before we move on, as well, uh, Katerina has gotten these gardening outfits for everyone. Yeah, yeah. That's and right. uh, Alan looks cool as hell in his one. Oh yeah. But I didn't really notice what the rest of them looked like. Oh, um, I just but I just remember um, Mary pulling a very good face. <laughs> They're like these cute green jumpsuits with their names stitched on them. Jordo presents her with his thoughtfully selected gift. Katerina adds it to the pile of fancy gardening shears that she received from everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I love that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, and and that's the episode, and mm. and then we get a little bit of a post-credits sequence. Dear, uh, a winter has finally come to the Magic Academy. Katarina finds herself accosted by the salty extras from episode seven. They threaten to expose all of Katarina's evil deeds. What is to become of our fave villainess? Yeah, so the, the, is this a doom flag? Is this a route to doom? What evil deeds? Yeah, yeah. What has she done? She's like the nicest person. Mm-hmm. Now things are things are coming to a head now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's um, I, I've got some theories, but uh, but we can we can discuss that in, in a second. That was our uh, summary of uh, episode seven to eight of uh, Hamafura. Uh, so now let's move on to uh, the closing thoughts. W- would you like to go first, or? Uh... Sure. Um, yeah. I actually after so after episodes uh, four to six, I was feeling a little less than optimistic about the direction the show was going in. I didn't enjoy those episodes as much. But this last three, I really liked, actually. They were a lot more fun, a lot more exciting, mm. and lots of, like, intriguing stuff in them, and lots of setup. I feel. Um, I, I do feel like there's not going to be much payoff from the setup, 
but it's nice to get some setup for something that <laughs> yeah, yeah. keeps you keeps you watching doesn't it <laughs> i like the character development in these three episodes as well i like that as time goes on mary becomes more and more unabashedly uh, unashamedly obsessed with Katarina. <laughs> yeah. uh, at every opportunity she screams about how much she loves her and uh, it's kind of nice there was a nice moment with alan too in the tree felt almost like a romance i'm especially happy that it ended on a cliffhanger because now i'm excited to see what happens next which i wasn't after episode six mary remains a queen and a, mm, a yeah. bicon and uh we stand we have we simply have no choice but to stand <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love mary she's great mm, um yeah, sure. yeah. and as, as as much as i i rag on these episodes i enjoyed them as well i i, I liked them i i think uh my my sort of feelings towards the series have equalized a bit after really enjoying the first three almost like going almost going as far as to say i i love them yeah. <laughs> and then like uh not enjoying the the, the next three after that as much uh, i feel like with these three my expectations have been have been tempered like i need to remind mm -hmm. myself this is this is a slice of life anime that happens to be in an isekai style um with harem comedy elements that's <laughs> that's what you signed up for that's what you're getting <laughs> like i keep hoping for a bit more hoping for a bit more meta hoping for a exactly a, yeah a, 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 but um, that's that's not what we signed up for what it does mm. deliver it delivers well it's goofy it's it's fun like i get a little bit of enjoyment out of uh, poking holes in sort of its paper fin premise yeah. <laughs> same yeah it's it's in no ways a bad anime it it's uh it's it, it delivers that that the, the sweets it's stuffs your face with sweets like <laughs> like katarina in episodes yeah. in episode eight and um I don't mind it for that. And like in, in the tradition of like slice of life anime, as I know it, we're going to get some sort of payoff, some sort of like developments in episodes, in the final three episodes, because like all of this setup is, is, is driving me crazy. It feels like we're mm -hmm. getting uh, nine yeah. episodes of, of setup. Let's, uh, let's see some payoff. Yeah, definitely. Keen to see that payoff. Yeah. What's what's also surprising to me is uh, no, <laughs> never mind. I, I was no. gonna make some 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 comments about how how uh, there 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 is like a, a bit of self awareness, some genre self awareness going on, Katarina regarding her 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 friends as NPCs. But that that that's mostly just us. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's mostly us. Like uh, just reading into it, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it's not that kind of anime. Mm. Yeah, sweet. Uh, so those were our thoughts on uh, episode seven to nine. Uh, looking forward to to, to seeing the rest. Uh, mm. sh shall we close it out? Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. Next time on Reincarnated as Podcasters, we discuss episode 10 to 12 of My Next Life as a Villainess, All Roots Lead to Doom. Another round of Is This an Isekai? And what show we might tackle next? We hope you enjoyed listening. See you in the next life.
手だ女。